So I've been working um, full-time here at church for about eight years now. And before this, I worked in campus ministry for two years. And, and one of my favorite things about campus ministry was this time of year where all the students would, would start to come back to school. And, and, and Dave, um, he's one of the pastors over at another one of our campuses. He and I were working in campus ministry together. And I remember that, that we would always have this session. And so I don't know what, if, if you went to school, if your school had this, it's kind of like a, a summer orientation. And, and so students who decided this is a the school they wanted to go to, or if they were still on the fence, they would come to this. And, and so Dave and I would get you know, 30, 45 minutes with every student that was coming. And, and we would just kind of sit down and get to have this conversation of, hey, as, as you're stepping into to this campus, as you're stepping into this body, these are, these are some things that, that you can expect. And so we would kind of talk them through what it felt like to be a student. And, you know, we would tell them about the teachers that you want to take and teachers you didn't want to take. And, you know, we would, we didn't really do that, but maybe. And, and we would talk about, you know, hey, these are, these are some things that you want to get involved in. And these are some things that are going on in our city. Just kind of this, hey, it's, it, we, we want you to, to know what you're stepping into. These are some of the expectations. And, 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 and we would talk about not just things that you can expect, but we'd also talk about, hey, these are some expectations that are kind of going to be put on you if you step into this community. There weren't these oppressive things. It was just kind of like this, this wake-up call. You know, Dave and I are in campus ministry. And so we would say, hey, in the next four years, like, it's, it's your choice. Like, your own spiritual development, your growth, you pressing into the heart of God, it's going to be on you. Like, no one's going to be knocking on your door saying, hey, do you, like, you need to get up and spend time with God. No one's going to be keeping you accountable. You're going to have to put these things up in your own life if, if you want to know God. And so we would talk to them about the expectations, what they could expect, but also the expectations that they were stepping into. And it was just kind of this way of, of informing, but inviting. Uh, as a church family, we, we kind of do this every August as well. We know that, that new people are coming and they're joining. They're giving this whole God thing a, a, another chance. Or, or our students are moving here and for the first time they're trying to figure out, hey, what, what is this going to look like for me to, to, to jump in with the church and to live on mission? And so what we do is, is we take the month of August and, and we just kind of talk through, hey, these, this is what you can expect when you step into this church family. And, and, and not just what you can expect, but these are some of the expectations that if, if you want to come here and really be a part of this family, like if you want to do more than just come here and, and show up and sing a few songs and eat some delicious communion bread, like if you're serious about linking arms with us and making a difference in the city for the name of Jesus, these are some of the expectations. And so we talk about uh, the, the reason that we exist, the reason that God put us here on planet Earth, the reason that he planted us in Nashville. Like, Kate, the reason you're in Nashville is so that you and I would be disciples of Jesus. That our lives, Austin, would, would look like the, the life that Jesus lived in scriptures. And so we talk about these kind of three primary relationships that we see in the life of Jesus. His relationship that he had with the Father, his relationship that he had with believers that we would, you know, call the 12 apostles or the other greater disciples that, that followed him. And then we talk about his relationship with people who didn't know him. And so as a church family, these are the primary relationships that we pursue that, that we want to look like Jesus. And so what do you think what that looks like to be his disciples is that we have a relationship with the Father just like Jesus did. That we have a relationship with other believers just like Jesus did. That we have a relationship with the lost just like Jesus did. And so for the next month, we're going to be talking about what that looks like for us as a church family to, to actively take steps to look like Jesus. And we're going to be coming at this through Matthew chapter 6, which is the Lord's Prayer you've ever heard of that before. And so we're going to kind of be working through that pretty slowly over the next four weeks in Matthew chapter six. And so today and next week, we're going to look at, at how Jesus related to the father. But beyond that, it's not just this, this lesson for our minds. What you see in Jesus is that everything that he does is this invitation. 
He's not just informing us of, hey, this is what, who God is. He's inviting us to know God in this way. And so this is what Matthew chapter six, starting in verse nine, I'm gonna read the whole Lord's prayer, but we're only gonna be in, in verses nine to 10. You guys with me today? You glad to be alive? Yeah, okay, let's, let's go here. This then is how you should pray. Matthew six, verse nine. This is Jesus talking. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And I want you to to notice kind of two things that, that Jesus is showing us about how he related to the Father, how he desires for us to relate to the Father. And there are these kind of two titles that I want us to see, that this idea of, of our Father, who is the King. That of all the things that, I, that there's so much depth and richness in the Lord's Prayer that we could dive into, but for this morning, I want us to, to see this, this idea of our, our Father, who is the King. And so what Jesus is doing is he's doing so much more than just giving us instructions about how to pray. He's not just giving us a template, a template and he's not giving us a formula. He's not saying, hey, Lee, when you sit down to pray, what title do you use? Like, this is not the conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples. They, they come to him and in Luke chapter 11, they say, Jesus, we see you praying. Teach us how to pray. And Jesus uses this opportunity to do so much more than to teach them about the title to approach God with. What Jesus says is, is that I am God in the flesh. I've come to this earth. And from now on, because I am here, you're not gonna approach God as Lord. You're not gonna approach him as, as the almighty. It's not that you set those things aside. He says, I want you to understand that, that primarily the way that you're gonna relate to God from this point forward is his father who is king of the whole world. Caitlin, he's your father and he's also the king of the whole world. This idea of father, you know, I don't know the way that you approach God. So often we, we come to God and we approach God like we are his employee or more like we're his personal assistant, things, we do the things that God doesn't wanna do, or, or, or so many of us, we come to God and instead of it being relational, it's much more transactional. I will do this as long as you keep your end of the bargain. And Jesus shows up and says, no, Tim, you're a son. And Kimberly, you're a daughter. You're, you're to know God as, as father. There's so much that Jesus is conveying to us about what the Father, listen to this, what he wants to have with us. It's, it's this invitation into relationship, this invitation into friendship, into closeness, this idea that, that God wants to be involved in your life, Will. God wants to be included in your life, Maury. One of my best friends in college, his name was Garner. And I remember the thing that stood out to me about Garner, a lot of things, but, but one of the things is that, that every day his dad would call him or he would call his dad. And I just watched, I'm like, what are you even talking about? Like, how do you, like me and my dad, like we'll talk once, you know, every couple of weeks. And then we kind of get to that point. It's like, all right, well, you know, glad work's going well. And, 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 and what he has learned is to have this like dynamic relationship with his father that he wants to talk to him and his dad wants to, to talk to him as well, that, that this life of, of fatherhood that he has stepped into. But, and Jesus says, this is what the father wants with you. He wants to be involved in your life. He wants to be included in every aspect of who you are, but you have to understand that he's not just your father. He's the king of kings. 
You have to understand that, that this father of yours, that, that no one is going to hold him in check, that, that, that no one is going to hold him accountable, that, that, that no one has the right to say to God, hey, explain yourself. Do you understand that, that this king of kings is, is whatever room that he steps into, he's always going to be the most powerful. That there's never anyone who knows more or who, who has done more, who's experienced more, who has more power than your father, the king. He's inviting us to experience God as our father, who's the king of the whole world, the whole universe. And, and, and understand that, that these words are loaded. Because of our experiences, we hear these words differently. Father, king, right? Some of you, you love the idea of father. Because you had a really good father that, that made it easy for you to, to understand unconditional love. A father that, that, that showed you that you matter. That's your point. I, I want to just invite, hey, if you had a, an earthly father like that, will you raise your hand? That just made it, how cool is that? Like, go home and tell your dad. You made it easy for me to understand the unconditional love of the father. Some of you, though, man, and I'm not going to make you raise your hand, don't worry. Some of you had a harsh dad. Some of you had an absent dad. Some of you had a dad that left. And so the idea of, of God as father is way more of a trigger. And so you just kind of prefer to relate to God in a different way. Instead of relationship, it's, it's much more transactional. You have father, you have the idea of king, and man, that word's loaded, right? When you think of king, what do you think about? And so often what we, what we do is, is we hear these ideas of our father as the king and, and we will project our experiences, our understanding onto these ways of, of relating to God. And so often what happens is based upon our experiences, if, if, if they're bad, man, we will, we will reject either God as father or, or God as king or, or both altogether. And we're trying to make sense of these words and I'm going, well, 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 how do we define them if we're not supposed to project our own experiences and our own understanding? Where do we look to understand who, who this father, the king is? And I go, we look at Jesus. In, in John chapter 14, Jesus makes this bold claim. He says, anyone who has seen me has seen the what? Now hear what Jesus is saying. You wanna know what the father is like? Look at my life. Look at the way that I live. Look at the way that I treat people. Look at the way that, that I interact with this world and with people and with problems. And, and two things I want us to draw our attention to real quick this morning. I want you to think about for those who, who are disciples of Jesus, as, as you read through the scriptures, as you, as you look at Jesus' life, one of the things that you, that, that you see in Jesus' life is he is so unbelievably patient. He's patient. As, as disciples, as people who, who see this Jesus that they want to be like, that they love. And I go, I know that's so many of you that are here today. You want to be like Jesus. You wake up and, and, and you're so well aware of all the areas that you're falling short. But Jesus the, and the Father, they see in you the desire. And what you need to know about our Heavenly Father, who is the King, is He's so patient with those of you who are disciples. You read this in Scripture. There's this story, I think it's in Luke chapter 9 where Jesus goes to this village 
And he's telling them about, about the Father. He's telling them about the kingdom of God and they just, they want nothing to do with it. And so James and John, two of his disciples, they literally say this to Jesus. Hey, do you want us to call down fire and to burn these people alive? And Jesus is like, what? No. <laughs> and I think about that. How many of us in, in, in our spiritual just desire to see the kingdom advance, man, we just give up on people? Right, that, that you see someone who's just not interested in God and so you're just like, God, just do away with them, right? That you've, you've had these moments before in life and I want you to understand is that God is patient with you as you're in process. Or for Peter, man, this, this, this guy right before Jesus gets crucified, one of his right-hand men, Jesus, I will never disown you. I'm never gonna let you down. I'm never gonna fail. And, and, and you know that feeling for those of you who are followers of Jesus. You just have this desire. You, you, you sin and then you have this kind of newfound, like this, this, this joy, this zeal to walk with God. You're like, God, I'm gonna walk with you. And then what happens 14 hours later? And you need to understand that the, the father that Jesus is showing us is a father that's so unbelievably with us. He's patient. It's not that he's just patient. Our father who's the king is unbelievably powerful. Every stronghold, every struggle that Jesus faced, it bowed to Jesus. There was never a person, there was never a struggle that, that came to Jesus and Jesus was like, well, I don't know what to do about this. And you see, when we understand this, that, that our father who's the king is patient, but he's also powerful, what that does is it fills our hearts with hope. You need to know that, that that marriage of yours that is struggling or that marriage of your parents, because of Jesus, Jesus can heal that marriage. And maybe you've forgotten who your father is. You've forgotten what he is capable of. And maybe you have no hope. Maybe you've taken your eyes off of, of the scope of Jesus' ministry and you need to know that, that your father who's the king can heal your marriage. You need to know that the father who's your king, he can put to death whatever stronghold it is in your life. A lying tongue, lustful thoughts, prideful judgmental spirit. The king of kings can put that thing to death in you. And some of you, You've been nursing this thing. The enemy's convinced you that this is how you're gonna be the rest of your life, that, that nothing's gonna get better, that you're always gonna be the employee, you're never gonna be the boss, and you've resolved that, that there's nothing that can be done. And I'm here to tell you that in the name of Jesus, he can put to death the strongholds because that's who the king, who's your father is. That no matter what you're carrying, he's stronger. No matter what temptation, he's stronger. No matter what struggle, he's stronger. And he has the solution. Do you actually believe that your father, who is the king, is capable? And if you don't believe it, look at the life of Jesus. Go through and read the book of Luke or any of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, or John, and see if there's anything that came to Jesus that he didn't know how to fix. Your father, who's the king, is patient. He is powerful. And I go, but, but why does it matter? that we relate to God as, as father who is king. It matters if, if you're not experiencing the fullness of what Jesus came to bring us into. It, it matters if, if you're only living into to half of what Jesus has come to, to, to invite you and to deliver you into. And so let me explain it like this. My, my wife and I, we are in the process of becoming foster parents, which is really cool. And, 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 and what, one of the things that we're realizing is how complex this is gonna be. 
We're learning about, about kids and many kids that will come and live in our house. Man, they're, they're gonna do everything right. They're gonna clean their room and they're gonna be polite and, and they're never gonna get in trouble and they're gonna do great at school. But deep down, the, the motivation for it is because they're afraid. They're afraid that if they miss it, if they're not perfect, then they're afraid they're gonna have to leave. And so many of these kids, are, are, they feel like this, this pressure, they have to prove themselves to be worthy. Can you imagine that pressure? No kid should have to live with that pressure. And some of you are doing this with God. You have this pressure that you have to constantly be proving yourself to your father. And if you're not holding up to, to your end of the deal, then, then you're just gonna get kicked out to the curb. We're learning about some kids They'll come into our house and as affectionate and as loving and as kind as Court and I are gonna be, they're not gonna open up. They're not gonna let us in. And it's because deep down, man, they believe that you don't actually care about them. They've been hurt. They've been through this before. And, and this is a defense mechanism because they don't wanna get hurt again. And I'm here to tell you that, that so many of us were living in the same place with God. that we've been hurt, that we've been let down, we've been disappointed. And so we've come to this place where we realize that God is not trustworthy. And so we put our guard up. We won't let God in. And Jesus shows up and he came and he died on the cross and he rose again so that you and I could have with the father what he had with the father so that you and I could do in the world exactly what he did in the world. Do you actually believe that? Or do you believe that, that, that you are, are, are always gonna be living in the house but never having access to the father? Do you believe that, that, that Jesus lived in this place, but you just get to kind of meander through this life with no power flowing through your hands, no hope flowing through your life? And I'm going, do you believe that? We threw up this first slide. Dave and Aaron are um, two of the pastors over at Cannery, and they um, run this thing kind of through our church and partnership with our church called Onward. It's a church planning organization. And so people from all over the country, all over the globe will, will come and they'll learn and essentially from, from us and what God is doing through us. And I say that, go, man, if you're interested in planning a church, if, if you go, man, I want to be a part of planning a church, come talk to me. I want to get you connected with Onward. But this is one of the tools that, that they use as they're discipling church planners and leaders to help them understand how, how you relate to God. So I want to just kind of walk us through that this morning. And so the way that this works is the, the vertical axis axis is, is the, the father axis and the horizontal axis is the king axis. And so what we want to do is we want to live in that top right quadrant where we have a, a high view of father and a high view of God as king. Here's what happens though. Many of us, we, we want to be in that place, but so often what we do is, is that we tend to either relate to God as father or God as king and not both sometimes not either. And so let me kind of walk us through what happens. This is not like, you know, this is not like in the Bible. This is me trying to help make, make sense of this. And so we throw up that next slide, please, Lana. And so what happens when you have a very high view of father and a very low view of God as king is this. Um, it, it, it produces this, this lazy Christianity. 
This idea that, man, that Jesus is your buddy. I had a friend one time said, man, I'm gonna go have some cuddle time with Jesus, right? That, that, that Jesus is your friend, that Jesus loves you so much that, 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 that there's nothing that you could ever do that is wrong. In fact, he loves you so much he would never even dream about correcting you, right? And this is what cultural, this is at the heart of cultural Christianity right now. This, this movement of, of grace, but there's absolutely no truth. Maybe the, you had a friend like this, or maybe this was you that you did no wrong, right? I had a friend who, whose kid like this, there was never anything wrong about him. He never did, and so there's never any need to correct. It was everything that he did was just so good. And, and some of you, you're living through this life where you have this high view of God as father, low view of God as king, because you know, God can tell you that he loves you, but, but God can never speak into your life. There's no room in your life for conviction. There's no room in your life that, man, maybe I need to make some adjustments. And so what happens when you have a high view of God as father, low view of God as king, is it produces this lazy Christian. We go to the next slide, please. The, what happens if you have a, a low view of God as father and a high view of God as king is that so often this is where legalism is bred. You view God as your boss. A boss who doesn't care about you as long as you get your work done that there's no relationship, it's all transaction. This is at the heart of legalistic, fear-based Christianity. It's this idea that you gotta try hard and, and that this, you're, you're never doing enough, you're never good enough. Deep down, you always wonder, does God actually care about me? In this quadrant, man, that, that truth is, is high, but there's no grace. In the lower left-hand quadrant, the next Slide please, Lana, is, is if you have a low view of God as father and low view of God as king, what happens is there's just apathy. You don't know if there's a God, you don't really care. In this quadrant, so much of what our world is living in where, where you, are, you are God, if it feels good, do it. If it doesn't, don't. That, that you get to define your own truth, this relativism, right? In this bottom quadrant, you are the king of the world. And so it's about experiencing as much and indulging as much and sleeping as many people as you can. It's all about you, right? If it feels right, do it. And what happens is in this quadrant, there's actually no relationship with God because you are God. In the top right quadrant, what happens when, when you have a high view of father and high view of king? And this is where we, we want to be. This is where discipleship happens. It's, it's in this place where you understand that, that you relate to God as a child, that God's your father. And from this place of confidence, this place of security, John chapter 10, Jesus speaks into this. He says, my father, he's given to me people who are saved. And this is what Jesus is saying. He says, if you're saved, you're in my father's hand. My father is greater than all and no one will snatch you from my father's hand. You need to understand the power of what Jesus is saying there. That if you are in Christ, the father has you and he's not letting you go. And when you get this in your heart, it, it breeds this security, this confidence. But it's not just about you and your confidence. It's about you becoming a, a, a contributing part of the family of God, of the movement of the kingdom of God. We understand that, that, that God is father and he is king. You understand that, that what does a king have? He has a lot, right? 
She has a lot. A, a king, what, is, what does our father, the king, have? A kingdom. And so what that means is that, that if there's a kingdom, there's work to be done. And this is actually a good thing. I grew up in Western Kentucky. I grew up on a farm. And, and growing up, there was a, a point in my life where, where I wasn't able to help contribute to the family, right? It's more detrimental to give me a tool and to tell me to go into the field. Like, I'm gonna be wreaking havoc, losing money. And so my parents are like, no, no, you're not going out there till you're ready. And there's this point in the journey where, where I couldn't help. And then I came to this point where, 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 where I could help, but I didn't want to. I didn't wanna work. <laughs> I didn't want to help the family because I was at the center of my own universe. I wanted to play with my friends. I wanted to, to play basketball. I wanted to go swim. I wanted to ride my four-wheel. I wanted to do whatever else it was, and I didn't want to contribute. But there's this thing that happened the, the older I got that, that I realized, man, I can actually contribute. And, and this food that I'm eating and this house that I live in, it, it's not just given to us from the sky that my parents work unbelievably hard to provide for this. And it just kind of sparked something in me that, that if they're working hard, man, maybe I should be working hard. And the same is true with God. That when you understand that there's nothing that you can do the father's gonna kick you out of his house. There's no sin, there's no struggle, there's no, there's no season of, of, of sin that you've been living in that the father says, get out, I don't want you back. And so many of us are living like foster kids bouncing from house to house to house and we keep our guard up with God when all God is wanting to say is that you're in my house and you're in my house forever. Amen. He didn't come for us just to show up at church and to listen to a sermon. He showed up so that we would know deep in our being that we're loved by God and we can contribute to the advancement of the kingdom of God. And so here's the question, all of us, man, I didn't want us to put this tool up and, to, and to, to diagnose ourselves, right? And not do something about it. And so how do we get to where we wanna be? You know, for those of you who have a high view of Father and a low view of God as King, man, you, you don't believe that He actually loves you. You don't believe that He wants you. You, 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 you don't believe that He actually listens to your prayers. Right, maybe... Maybe there's a time in your life and, 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 and it makes sense why you get here that, that, that you are the way that you are because of things that you've gone through. Defense mechanisms, we're trying to make sense. The enemy's involved, people tell us things and, and all these things come into our heads and they shape the way that, that we live and we interact with God. And so some of you, you're, you're interacting with God as, as king, but he's not your father. And maybe it's because you had a, a time in your life where you asked God for something and God didn't come through. And so you put up a wall, you realize you couldn't trust God. For some of you, you you're not relating to, to God as, as father because you, you realize you've just been living a really sinful life. And no matter what you, is keeping you from experiencing God as a father, I wanna, I wanna encourage you that, that you're looking at the wrong thing. 
You're, you're looking at, at your past and your sin or you're, or you're looking at this moment in your life where God lets you down. And, and, and the reason you're not having intimacy with the Father is because you're not looking primarily to the cross. You're not looking at, at how loved you are. You're trying to make sense of, of God's love for you based upon all these other things. And, and, and Jesus puts a cross in the ground. And he says, you wanna know how loved you are by the Father? I left the comfort of heaven for you. I love Ephesians chapter two, verse eight. It says, it's by grace you've been saved. Through faith, this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works that no one can boast. This is Romans chapter five, verse eight. It says, while you were still in sin, Christ died for you. This is John three, verse 16. For God so loved the world, God so loved you. And so many of us, we don't believe that about the Father. I have three little kids hanging out with my youngest last night. Her name's Merritt. She's two and a half. I was just holding her. I was just looking at her. And she was just being silly. And she had just this giggle that just, oh, I just love. I want her to keep that giggle for the rest of her life. And you know, we're just sitting on the ch this chair and we're just playing. And I'm just tickling her and making her laugh. And she's loving. I just have one of those moments. I'm like, I want to just frame this moment. I wish I could just stop right here. Like my heart just, just loves this little girl. And some of you need to know, that's how the Father feels about you. He created you and he puts you on this earth and he looks at you and he just delights in you. Not because of anything you've done. He just delights in you because you're alive. And you know that because Christ came to die for you. And the, the work that you're gonna have to do is to believe in the cross. To make sense of everything else in your life in light of the cross. What happens when you refuse to let God be your father is that you're actually cutting off the very thing that you need. Some of you, man, you, you have a high view of father and you have a very low view of king. And, 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 and some of you, you need to just kind of hear these, these words. Some of you believe that God would never call you out of your comfort zone. You're looking at yourself. It's all about you. And if this is you, if you have a high view of God as father and low view of God as king, you're also looking at the wrong thing. You're looking at yourself. You're still looking at the cross. The cross of Jesus is a place where, where, where he wasn't thinking about himself. He was thinking about others. And if we're gonna be disciples of Jesus, we can't just be content having a high view of father. We gotta have a high view of king as well. My friend Jonathan sent me this, this passage this week and it says that the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Listen to this. And if we are children, then we are heirs. We are heirs of God, fellows, heir, fellow heirs with Christ. Listen to this, provided that we suffer. Suffer with him in order that we might be glorified with him. And, and some of you hear that and you go, man, God would never ask me to do anything hard that would require me to suffer. Right, and the, the rest of Ephesians chapter two, verse eight and nine, hey, you're saved by grace. Verse 10 says, we're God's workmanship, created to do what? Good works. And it's hard, 
right? It's hard to do this. It's hard to, to want to contribute. I was talking to Finley yesterday. Finley's my oldest daughter. And, and we woke up yesterday morning and we just had a full day. We had soccer game in the morning. We had the, 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 the thing in the neighborhood yesterday afternoon with, with um, um, back to school um, with School Bus Strong. I can't think of what it's called. And, and then uh, we had this um, Bus Stop Strong. There it is. And then we had this party last night. And I just kind of woke up yesterday morning going, man, I just wish that I had nothing to do today. I wish that I could just sit in my house and drink coffee and, and, and just do whatever it is I want. And, and I just kind of had this moment where I was a little pouting with the Lord, like in my prayer time, like, God, I don't want to do all this stuff today. I gave it to the Lord. And he helped me see, yeah, Brandon, there is. Like, this is not going to be a day of rest. It's going to be a day of giving. It's going to be a day of pouring out. But when you pour yourself out, you actually find joy. talking to Finley. And so she woke up and she's like, dad, I do not want to go to, to the bus stop strong thing. And I'm like, Finley, I get that. But you got to understand, I, I was there this morning. You have to understand that this life isn't just about taking. It's about giving. And you see, when, when you understand that we're, we're made as God's people to, from this place of security to contribute, that from this place of, of security, man, we keep God's commandments. That's where the life is found. There's a dark world that we live in. A world that is marked with racism. Reading this week about the shooting in El Paso, and I'm going, man, why would anyone kill someone based upon the color of their skin, the country that they're from. That racism is in our country and it's still in a lot of us. And you might not just uh, be outright like not liking people of, of different skin color, but there's still something in us that's, that's perpetuating this, these systems and these cycles of racism. I go, man, who's going to do something about that? Is our government going to fix that? King Jesus is going to fix that. God's people are going to fix that. There's so much hatred in our world. There's so much in our world where, where people are lovers of themselves, they're lovers of money, they're lovers of pleasure. There's so many people in our world that are blinded. This is what Paul talks about, that, that the mind of unbelievers are blinded. They can't see Christ. And as God's people, as we grow up, we realize, we have to understand that, that we are made to contribute to the family business, that, that we are called to push back the darkness in this world. So light can come in. About a bus stop strong yesterday doing this lunch. I'm having a conversation with this four-year-old boy and he says this to me. My dad's in jail right now. It just broke my heart. There's needs in this neighborhood. Your, your neighbors, they don't have the hope of Christ. Today is, is one of the biggest Muslim Holidays of the year. 
A billion people around the world are, are, are worshiping Allah today because of the sacrifice that Abraham made on behalf of his son Isaac. And I go, there's just a billion people in our world that don't believe that Jesus is king? And what do we do about this? I tell you what we don't do. We don't sit back and go, man, does God really love me? And we come into God's presence and we do whatever it takes to let God speak his truth and his worth, who we are. Because there's a whole lot of this world that needs the kingdom of Jesus. And it's not someone else's job. It's all of our job. So here's what we're gonna do. We throw that last slide up, Lana. So we're gonna take a few minutes and, and I encourage you to, to circle up with the people that, that you came with today. And I want you to do two things. I want you to answer these two questions. Hey, what, um, what quadrant or do you connect with right now? Like how, how do you actually relate to God? And we're gonna leave this slide up so you can see it. I want you to answer that. Man, I, I really relate to, I'm lazy right now or I'm legalistic, or I'm apathetic, or I actually am a disciple. I invite you to, to just share that. This is, not a, this is not a place for judgment. This is not a place to try to impress other people. This is a place where we come with our real selves into the presence of God. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna share where we are, and then we're gonna share, hey, what do you need in your life to actually become a disciple? And so for some of you, what that is, is man, I, I don't believe the Father loves me. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna just spend a few minutes praying. God, would you help Abigail to believe that she's your loved daughter? For some of you, man, you, you, you go, man, I, I, I need to just get to work. I know who I am, and I've just been lazy. I've been scared. I've been fearful. And so we're gonna take, you know, a, a few minutes, and I invite you to do that right now, to, to circle up with the people that you came with. And if you don't feel comfortable, that's okay. I invite you just to close your eyes and say, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something by myself and I invite you to explore these two questions. But, but there's something that happens in community when we do this together. So I invite you right now, circle your chairs up with the people around you, work through these two questions. I'll get back up in six or seven minutes and I'll send us to communion. That sound good? Okay, let's, let's break up into groups right now.